but that's okay. I'll leave you alone. I, this is that day, right? It's Ash Wednesday. So I think uh, depending on who your priest was growing up or your tradition growing up, some folks enter into Ash Wednesday with their heads down, maybe down this far, and they come in and they kneel down and they never look up. And every other Sunday of the year, every other religious day, they'll, they'll be head held high and looking up. And then some of us come in, maybe this is our first Ash Wednesday, maybe we have no clue what Lent is, and we're just dabbling in the waters of this kind of liturgical life, and everything in between, everything in between. It's interesting how the character of Lent and Ash Wednesday has developed over the years. We always think Lent is a season of penitence. And it wasn't really till the modern era that we interpret that as beating ourselves up, uh, that we're not good enough, that this is a season, not everybody, I see some of you looking at me like I've lost my mind, uh, not all of us, some of us really kind of live in that place that we're not worthy enough, and we need this, these six weeks, these 40 days, not including Sundays, if you count the Sundays, you're going to be off in your math, not including the Sundays, we spend these 40 days trying to prove ourselves, not necessarily to God, but to ourselves, that we are good enough, that we are capable enough, that God might actually love us, and that we can do this. And for others, we enter into this season as a time of reflection. And that's where I tend to live and always have lived with Lent. Just so you have a little background of my upbringing, I am cradle Episcopalian, born and raised in the Episcopal Church, but I am a product of a Catholic and a Methodist. Mama was the Catholic and Daddy was the Methodist. So when they got married, the Catholic priest and the Methodist minister, independent of one another, who did their wedding together inside a Catholic church, how unheard of is that today? Vested Methodist minister behind an altar in a Catholic church, independent of each other, told them to join the Episcopal church. So Mama got her liturgy and Daddy got his music. So each one of them entered into Lent so differently. Uh, and, and, and my upbringing and my practice in Lent has been shaped by watching my parents live out their faith life. As most of us, not all of us, but most of us may have that parent or that parental figure or even a godparent or a godmother, uh, a godmother or godfather who have kind of taught us a little bit and formed us. So when I enter into Lent, I can remember my mother and my grandparents often telling me, Justin, this is not a season to hold your head down. Of, of all things, this is a season to hold your head up and enter into these days and, and walk with God in a new way and, a, and, a, and, a new, and deepen your understanding of who God is in your life so that when you come to Calvary and then when you go to the empty tomb at Easter, because we know what's coming. This is not a big secret for us gathered here today. We know when Easter is. We know what's going to happen. So we have this time to prepare for that, that great gift that God will give us. Uh, at Calvary, but to lift our heads up and to walk this season acknowledging where we've fallen short and working on that, creating space for God to come into our lives anew and lifting up the places where we know we have deepened our relationship with God and build upon that foundation. And that is always how I've entered into Lent. And our gospel reading today is so funny uh, in the sense that of what we're going to do today. I'm about to, just in case you were wondering, I'm about to put a big, well, Father Jim and I are about, one of us will put a big black cross on your forehead. And then you're going to carry that out into the world. And everybody's going to know that you were at Ash Wednesday services. 
And some of you will tell everybody, I went to Ash Wednesday services. Where's your cross? <laughs> and then some of you will just wear it in hopes that people ask you about what we do here, and you'll use it as a sign of evangelism. But that's the great conundrum of the acts that we'll partake in today, mixed with the gospel that's telling us to keep our piety, to some degree, private. And what Jesus is getting at there, he's not telling us, I I used to get up in front of folks and I would start with a provocative statement like, how many of you are going to wipe off your cross before you walk out the door? As a young priest, that was, I was reminded that seminary doesn't matter when you make a statement like that. Because I was often, I was schooled by the, uh, by the congregations who said, don't you ever say that again. (laughs) So I don't do that anymore. But the question still exists with the gospel and what Jesus is getting at. This is what's going on in Matthew's gospel and why it seems so appropriate for us today. Jesus is constantly reminding the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious elite to remember why they do what they do. What is the reason behind you embodying these laws, you carrying out these rituals, you fasting, you you doing these different things, these, these really important activities And what Jesus had observed or seems to be observing from them is they're not necessarily doing it for the right reasons anymore. They are doing it more from a place of gloating, from a place of vanity, that I'm more religious than they are. It's the great us and them. And Matthew's gospel is full of examples of the us and them that the Pharisees create. And of course, Jesus, and sometimes we forget this because we tend to put Jesus in a nice, pretty little box is very radical compared to to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the way that he's interpreting what they're called to do and how he's interpreting the law. I mean, the fact that he is entertaining conversations with people who are unclean or, or sinners is just blowing the minds of these Pharisees and Sadducees. And we now probably look back on that and say, well, that's exactly where we're supposed to live as Christians, as followers of Jesus. We're not supposed to go into the temple where all the righteous people are. We're supposed to go out and be a place where God can happen for somebody else, to be a place where people find God through our faith life and our relationships. See, Jesus, first and foremost, above anything else, models how to be in relationships with people. For him, it was all about, the, the as Paul will later call, the body of Christ, the whole body holding together the perfect parts, the imperfect parts, the righteous parts, the unrighteous parts, the people who think they got it figured out, and the people who aren't sure they aren't even sure where they fit in this whole thing. And that's where we live. So Lent, for me, and what we do today, is a reminder of where we come from. That no matter what narrative exists in this world, in the kingdom of God, our lives were born out of God's creation. That humanity was born out of the great love When God moved over the waters, when God moved over creation and breathed life into it, God breathed life into us. And as the early church fathers and mothers talk about, that life has to take on some kind of meaning in our hearts and our minds. That we are God's, that we belong to God, and that God gives us the gift of life. The life and the very life that we will then celebrate in six weeks. Life for eternity. And our job during these 40 days is to really double down to the whole idea behind fasting and disengaging. When I read you the invitation to a Holy Lent in just a few minutes, 
what we're, what we're invited to do is to step back, to really survey, really survey our lives, really look at what we're doing. Where are our relationships the strongest? Where could we use a little work? Where could we invite God in? What are the things that are, we're so afraid of that we can't let go of, that hold us back from fully living into the gospel? In a very interesting way, Lent actually is going to take us on a journey that will culminate at Easter as we prepare to go down again into the waters of what we know as baptism and come back up with new life at Easter. And what do we need to prepare for? What do we need to remember about that particular life that we have in God? Where can we let something go to create space to deepen our connection with God? Where can we build up something for the sake of the kingdom? And it all comes from a place of reflecting. These ashes are just a sign, a reminder that we are merely dust, that God bore us out of the dust. And if you just stop and think about that for a minute, just think about, look at your neighbor and imagine them as dust. That dust That very thing, something that we clean out of our houses, something that we sweep up, God made you and me. God made us out of something so minuscule that that dust had new life. Imagine if we just stopped for a few moments during Lent and imagine how we, as as we heard in 2 Corinthians, were to participate with God and create the love of God that God longs for in this world, to create relationships that are real, that are wholesome, that are built not on who's righteous and who's not, but on the mere fact that we were all dust. And even in that dust, God loves us. As we say in our burial liturgy, I always remember that. We, I can't say the words completely because it's Lent now, but we all go down to the dust and we sing our song, and it's the, you'll think of the word that we can't say during Lent. And we say that, and we mean that. So this season is not one, I believe, where we hold our heads down and think of ourselves as unworthy. This is a season where we are remembered and are reminded of the great love God has for us and the onerous responsibility we have to cultivate that, to create room, to let our lives be a beacon of God's hope, life, and love in this world. And we spend these 40 days preparing ourselves to receive that gift that is an awesome reminder of that reality. And we have to make room. We have to fast. We have to let things go so that new life can be born within us when we will eventually go down into the water at Calvary and come back up. When we go and we die with God and come back up in new life, we have to prepare for that. So where do you need to let something go? Where do you need to build something up? What fears do you need to let God have? And what hope do you want to hold on to this Lenten season? Amen.